Lord, I thank you for the people assembled here. They are here to hear from you, to hear from heaven, that their needs would be met, that everything that they need is right here in your holy word. Give us uh, open ears to hear and eyes to see uh, what you have to say to us and how you want to help us today. Father, I thank you that questions uh, will be answered today. Revelation will be opened up to us. Truth will be imparted, and we will be empowered to walk out the will of God in everyday life. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to talk about the fact that repent is not a four-letter word. Amen. Repent is not a four-letter word. It's got one, two, three, four, five, six letters. Okay. Now, why do I say that? Because Christians, for some reason, we love repentance when we was dirty little sinners out there in the world. Uh, you were glad to have an opportunity to get a second chance at life. I know I was. I wasn't shy about, I remember when I was first saved, every meeting I went to, I answered every altar call. I was up in their face all the time just confessing everything. Oh, Lord, I don't do that. I think mean about people. I think mean about my husband. I think mean about, and I was so glad to have hope that if once I confessed, that burden would be lifted from me. It would be rolled off of my life. And then you come back and you feel all clean and wonderful again until the next time you mess up and do something crazy or, you know, slip off the charts or, or whatever, you know, we, we do. But, you know, then somehow along the line as we get older in the Lord, we think we're not supposed to have to do certain things anymore. I don't know where that devil comes from. But then we get embarrassed about coming to the altar. We get embarrassed about needing prayer. We get embarrassed. Everything, you know, and, and get this thing, this crust and this hardiness on us that, you know, it's hard to chip away at after a while. And so I just wanted to, to make sure we're all on the same page as far as what God has in mind with this covenant that we live in with him. Because mostly Christians, when they get older, and I've, I've said, it, I'll tell people, you know, sometimes they'll come to the altar, and I did so-and-so, well, you better repent and just ask God to forgive you. And say, I don't think I need to. And I'm thinking to myself, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> we even got people teaching that. You don't have to confess your sins anymore. It's all forgiven. And it's the same line of thought that leads people to say everybody's saved already and we don't need to preach the gospel or don't condemn them. They're condemned already if they don't receive Christ. You don't receive Christ on top of sin. You must turn away from that first and then turn to God. Ooh, well, maybe this, is, this might be the right message for today. Because listen, let me tell you where, where this stuff don't add up somehow. Everybody's looking for more of something from God. Raise your hand if you're expecting more from God. Well, then God's expecting more from us. And repentance is an invitation for more. It's not something to condemn you. And God's not holding you up to scrutiny and telling you that you're no good and you're this and you're that. You, he didn't tell you you were no good when you were in sin and loving it. Oh, okay. So we, we got a born holy crowd here, huh? Y'all know y'all was in sin and loving it, huh? 
snorting, sniffing, smoking. Out with somebody, some man didn't know if he belonged to somebody else or not and didn't care. Huh? It's true. See, that's how, that's how dark our minds are when we're in sin. We don't care about the right things. But God. Somehow, amen, somehow he found us at the, it's always, whenever you get born again, he finds you at exactly the right moment, you know, where, where it's all, everything set in motion, you know, it, it is, you know, for you to accept and fall into the everlasting arm. Nobody had to struggle with me to accept the, the Lord. When I, I knew that that was my only hope, I'm, I'm all in. I'm diving into this because I got nothing to lose. And see, when you look at your sinful life as nothing, then you about ripe for jumping into the, to the life of God. You understand what I'm saying? You turn your back on it gladly. And then you turn it to God and you receive righteousness. And then you walk on with God. And if you, if you get diverted, if you, if you stray, if you go on the other track, God still wants you back. You don't have to get over in the devil's playground and make excuses, you know, for being over there. Huh? My mother, you know, there were certain kids in the neighborhood you were allowed to play with and certain ones you wasn't. And if she caught you over at so-and-so's house, you knew what you were going to get when you get home. It, it, well, Mama, I didn't go over. I just fell in over there. I didn't mean to go over there. Louise made me go over there. Where I was always my out. It was Louise was making me do stuff. Huh? She didn't care why you were over there. huh? You knew you wasn't supposed to be over there. Same thing with God. He don't care why we do what we do, but he is willing to forgive us and pardon us from all punishment huh mama had to punish you to keep you from going over there god convicts you and your own heart tells you isn't that wonderful you can tell yourself when you're doing right and when you're doing nobody has to come and tell you and that's the beauty of the covenant we have with god he so wants us to prosper and so wants us to be blessed and so wants us to have a relationship with him that he will move heaven and earth to make sure that we, the Bible says he saves to the uttermost. Huh? To the uttermost. That means he will go to the utter ends of the earth to pull us back into line and pull us into relationship with him the right way. So it's a wonderful thing. Repent has nothing to do with beating you up. You beat yourself up. And see, mostly we beat ourselves up because we don't confess immediately and ask God's forgiveness. See, when that sin is on your soul, you're going to do something with that. You're going to make excuses. You're going to feel bad. You're going to pretend you don't do nothing wrong. All that kind of stuff. Who needs it? We need a good blood bath. You know, just clean me up. Woo! Just clean me. From, like Peter said when, when Jesus was washing their feet. And Peter said, oh, no, Lord. You know, Peter always had to outdo everybody. I oh, know, Lord. I'm wash your feet. He said, listen, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have anything to do with me. I'm, I'll do the cleaning up around here. I'm the sheriff in these parts. You can tell me how to run my show, Peter. I know what I'm doing. Amen. And God does. He knows what he's doing with us. But I'm telling you, there all of us are sitting here today waiting on something for God, either personally 
or or as far as as ministry and his kingdom everybody wants a revival we want a great outpouring of the holy spirit well if that's going to happen it can't pour out with some of the stuff i see sitting up in these I mean, the Hebrews knew better than the, you know, they tell, they'll tell Moses in a minute, you know what, Moses? Oh, second thought, you go up and talk to God. I'm going to stay down here where the dirty people are. That's what they were saying. I'm going to stay down here when I can do what I want to do when I want to do it and don't have to worry about God breaking out on me because I know I ain't right. You understand what I'm saying? And so God brought Jesus to us so that we could be right righteousness means right you right you right thinking right understanding right talking right heart everything about you is right when he imputes righteousness to us it's a beautiful thing and you know why god gives us his righteousness so we can be close to him that's that's reason number one is so that we can be close to him it's not for you to sit up and try to uh, impress your neighbor with you you ain't cussed in how many years Huh? Since this morning? Huh? You try to be good in your own strength. Before you get up out the bed, good. You know, I got a little dog. She's a sweet little dog, but she, you know, she, she in her world, we in ours. We trying to have these two worlds meet up together. And every now and then, I won't say every now and then, at least once or twice a week, we find little presents around the house. Where somebody didn't get to the door quick enough or she got wound up or she just, we can't figure out what's in her mind. You know, when you train little animals, you try to figure out what's in their mind so you can work with them a little. We ain't figured her out yet. She's been there about five, six years now. Chase people to the door. Slam the door on them. If you ain't careful in holding that door, Coco would kick that door in on you and you'd be out there right splat on the garage floor, you know. She, but she's a dog. You understand? <laughs> she's a whole dog. But we have yet to figure out how to connect with her because she's always leaving her little jewels all around the house. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I'm sorry about that. Now, see, I forgot what I was going to say talking about Coco. She gets me wound up in a, in a whole different way. Amen. But anyway, well, we just have to skip that. I'm going to. I'm going back to my word. Where was I, Tom? <laughs> oh, you remember Sister McKinney? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, but see, with her, she's thinking right for a dog. With us, we're, we're thinking right for humans, but God wants to bring us up to think right the same way he is thinking right all the time. You understand what I'm saying? And he knows how to get us out of our old ways of righteousness and self-righteousness and get us over into his imputed righteousness and walking with him in that way. So this is why he allows God, his own spirit, to live inside of us. And what happens is as we yield to that spirit, Jesus walks in us. He walks with us, walks through us. He has given us a covenant that we can't goof up because we get so much help to carry it out. So why would we try to be making up like we do everything right all the time when there's no necessity for it? You don't get any points with God 
for not messing up in, in an X number of days. You don't get any more points. What are you doing that he told you to do? See, anybody can sit in a box somewhere and not make mistakes. But your biggest mistake is that you're not outdoing and trusting God with what he told you to do with your life. We have churches full of religious people to sit up there twice a week and never they'll drive past a neighbor. Not, not even know if the neighbor's over there getting beaten up every day and every night. If the kids got food on the table, anything. But, oh, we, we, we know we, we, we're, we're Christians. We serve God. We know God. Just going to church don't make you righteous. Huh? You've got to start letting that righteousness lead you to do some things with your life. And see, that's when you're going to find out how righteous you are and how perfect you are. Because you get out and start doing it, and I guarantee you, you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to fall trying to do the right thing. But you can get back up and repent and go right back to God again. You understand what I'm saying? Now, the righteous, you know, the Bible says that though we fall time after time, God upholds us with his right hand. You can look for God to uphold you. You don't look for to be the, the person in the church that knows the most or, you know, the one that prays in tongues. Everybody come to you for prayer and all. That's wonderful. But are you doing what God told you to do? Are you in right standing with God? Because it's about your relationship with God. So the thing of it is, this concept of repentance is high on the list when you're a sinner, but then when you, the longer you walk with God, the lower it gets down on the list. It just happens. That's why we don't have the power in the church that we need to have. You know, people think, uh, well, you know, we're lacking power because of what a, no, no, the power comes when you walk with God. If we had more people really walking with God like they say they are, We'd have as much power as we could ever need. But we walk with God for a season, then we get bored, we get distracted, we get some teaching we like and start working on that. See, we work another big blessing in our lives. Got to sow a seed for this and got to sow a seed for your life is supposed to be a seed. You don't sit up and conjure up you need something. Oh, maybe I'll sow a seed. Well, that's kind of cheap. You can't play God like that. you got to live a life that's a seed. You got me? Jesus' whole life was a seed. He sowed the whole thing for us to pay a ransom for us to get us back and get us back from the devil's clutches so we could get back to God where we belong. And so the way to do that is through repentance. So why do we move this down on our list when it used to be first? There are two concepts that go together, and this is what you need to understand about repentance. When in Luke 20, let me see. When, when John the Baptist preached, he preached repentance and believing. Repent and believe. Not repent and beat yourself up. Repent and feel bad. Repent and act like somebody that caught you doing something and you don't want to be caught doing something. It's repent and believe. You have to look at sin, darkness, all the works of the flesh as blocking your faith. Bible says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. 
That word repent really means to think differently than what? Hmm? Think differently than what? Now, we'll say it in the way you used to think. I think differently than the way I used to think. Well, if you were thinking righteous thoughts, So really to think differently really means that if you're thinking one way, in order for you to think differently, something's got to happen in between. Huh? So really what it is, is that you have had a new idea introduced into your life. And repentance means that you're willing to leave The old idea about that and embrace the new. So when you repent, it really means that something different has happened to cause your thinking to change. You don't just sit up there and change thoughts on your own. So what happens different? It's the preaching of the gospel. It's the introduction of, of truth into your life. It's impartation of knowledge and wisdom that you didn't have before. And that then becomes an invitation. Repentance really comes because of an invitation to invite you into a different way of thinking and a different way of living. That's what that's about. And see, you can't tell me that we don't need that every day. Every day you need to be thinking, God, I need to to come up in you. I need something in you different than what I've been doing. Now, where I've been has been cool, you know, but it, it, it ain't getting it no more. There's a dryness here. There's a thirst. There's a hunger. There's a, I have a vision of myself going out in the supermarket and doing stuff that I've never done before in you because I know the need is there. There are people out there that need you. And how do I get involved in that? Now, it's not like you're doing anything bad with your life, but where you've been, it's come to a, it's come to a plateau. There's a standstill here. And then there's more to be gotten for the benefit of God's kingdom. And that's the other thing for repentance. When John preached, what did he say? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So then repentance becomes an invitation into the kingdom. But I live in the kingdom, Barb. I'm saved. Oh, no, I'm talking about going in a certain door in the kingdom that God has prepared for you that is different than you've ever been in before. See, when you change your thinking, you come up higher and you're thinking, God, I never knew all of this was available. You understand what I'm saying? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about getting in the next open door, getting the next treasure that he has for you, getting the next revelation that's going to help you pray better for your children and your grandchildren. Honey, for the outlaws that come in on Thanksgiving, wouldn't you like to see them come in crying and worshiping God for a change instead of giving you a hard time? Well, see, those doors are yet to be open to us, and repentance must come to us that we change our thinking about the way we've been doing things in God, and we move into a higher level of commitment to him, taking on more of his Character taking on more of his wisdom, his glory, more of his everything. So repentance opens you up not just to your first level in the kingdom, but to every level in the kingdom that you go into. It's necessary. It's necessary. 
I remember I would, I would always kind of play around with the idea, and this is the thing that the devil will do to you. You, you play around with the idea of certain things. And I know when we first started having healing services, I was always wanting, you know, I'd go, I'd hear Benny Hinn say, oh, I long for the day when everybody in here gets healed. And then I said, well, that sounds good. I think I'll say that too. I want to see everybody get healed, you know. But it wasn't sincere. But I do remember when I got under conviction for where I was as far as the meetings were concerned. You see the difference? One was my works. I adopted a cool idea that I heard somebody that knew a little bit more about God say than I knew, and I just imitated it. And it was never sincere. God didn't put it in my heart to ask for that. But there came a day when I knew the level I was at was no longer acceptable to God. And I got an invitation to move to a higher level. You see the difference? See, and if I hadn't repented, if I hadn't said, God, I'm sorry, I'm leaving this. I said, I see where I've been in a little bit of pride thinking, see, this is what you do when you got a little gift or something. You look at everybody else that's serving God that don't have your gift. And you start feeling comfortable about what you do and good about yourself. Well, what in God's kingdom, you can never, that's a luxury you can't afford. You better find out what the master wants you to do. You better find out what the people in your church are being attacked with by the enemy. And you better find out what's in your city, what kind of disease and stuff is being released, what kind of evil is being perpetrated on innocent uh, children and people like that in your, your community so that God can empower you to do something about it that he wants to have done. So, see, we can't afford to rest, but then when it's time to move up, we can't borrow some idea from somebody else for the moving up. You got to move up how God tells you to, he wants you to move up. I ain't Benny Hinn. I can't do what he does. He ain't me, and he can't do what I do. You understand what I'm saying? There's nobody, nobody's big, nobody's little. He's not greater than me. I'm not greater than him. There's no lesson that we just have certain work to do. And if we will listen to God, we'll be more equipped to do the work. But I'm telling you, repentance is part of moving up in God's kingdom. That's why we have so little move up. The minute you say that word, people cringe on the inside, recoil, want to get defensive, get mad at you. I ain't done nothing wrong. Huh? You're not doing the right that you're supposed to do either. There's more right that we can do. It's not about wrong and right. It's about are you in the will of God? Are you listening and doing what he tells you to do? So the word repent really means to think differently. We said differently than what? Than what you thought before. The implication is that some new thought truth or idea has come to you and you reconsider <laughs> the way you think of what you've been doing you change your mind huh so there are t- decisions we have to make all the time in god where we have to reconsider god we've been doing these meetings this way for so many years and it's and, and he starts to give you a little irritation on the inside it's time to reconsider you know, it's time to re- you can't stay the same way all the time doing the same thing. Amen? 
There are things that are, there are people that like, for, for us, all the children that were born in this ministry are grown now. So things are going to have to change some just because of the growth that's happened. And so you have to reconsider all the time the ways things are done in your ministry, in your life, in your household. So we consider and we change our minds to conform to the new way of thinking. Repentance is not a forced activity. You're not forced, you're invited. And this is a condition to receive what the invitation provides. So it's, it's, it's that you've got to make a decision that right now where I am, I can no longer stay here and I must move on. You know, And the more you resist, the worse you're going to feel about staying where you stay. Huh? We used to say uh, sometimes to tell people, well, if that's the only way God could get you to move. Huh? You know, sometimes God will be speaking to people, and I've seen it. You know, the the job where they're at, it's the end of the line for that as far as what God can do for you there. And he'll start nudging you, talking to you, prompting you. See, this is for you not just to get up and go and leave that job. See, this is what we're scared of. <laughs> if I admit I can't stay here, what am I going to do? Huh? That's up to God to tell you what to do. He ain't going to tell you your next step while you sitting here comfortable at this step. He going to kick that step out from under you. People little stay at jobs too long, all of a sudden the job ain't there no more. Huh? Oh, I guess maybe that, or, or this is what they do. Something told me I should have been. Me. Now, you ain't got but two somethings talking to you, or maybe three at the most. It's either God, the devil, and your crazy self, huh? Something told me it was time for me to get a raise, and I should just keep a motion. Well, that's some told you that, been telling you that for 10 years now. So when you going to obey something, huh? Most people wait until the, the, the padlock is on the door. Oh, I guess they was going to close after all. Now you, they, you helped close out the books. You helped pack up everything. You still going to try to go in there and punch in. Y'all to quit. I've even had people to go to the new, new thing, and, and they'll come up to me and say, well, the Lord told me to, to move, and I got in this new job. And this, 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 this. I said, and God's telling me to tell you what took you so long. Or they'll say something like, every time I go into the, to the coffee room, somebody asks me for prayer. And I'm a little nervous about praying for them uh, because, you know, you can get in trouble. On, and I'm new on this job. I could get in trouble and they won't pray. I can't help you there. You're either going to obey God or you're going to disobey. But God will tell me something like this. And God will say, well, consider this. If these people are banging at your door, they've been needing you there for quite a while. What took you so long? See, when we realize who we really are in this earth, you're not at that job for the money. You're at that job for the ministry. You're at that job for the people that don't know God. You're at the job for the people who are sick and need prayer. 
you had that job for the, the one that woman coming in there that's looking all depressed and cause her husband telling her off and sleeping around and she got venereal disease and all that kind of stuff trying to be you understand what i'm saying you're there to pray for people like that and bring the kingdom the same kingdom you live in you're supposed to bring it everywhere you go and god can't get us to move so repentance really comes to us as a as a a response to god's invitation to move up higher in him when you came out of the world and came into the kingdom that was your invitation you repented and accepted the kingdom that was your invitation to come out of darkness and come into light it's the same thing for every day that you're saved you're going to be changing your mind about something that you were comfortable in believing and now god is giving you more to understand about him he's giving you more to do and yes repentance is to turn away from sin and unrighteousness that's a given if you know you've been been uh, uh, unfaithful in your job and you've been a problem to your boss for 10 years, yeah, you need to repent. Should have been done it. And keep repenting and start making up your mind to be a good employee. I remember I re- Miss Juana in Detroit. She doesn't mind me sharing this, I'm sure. But when we <laughs> first came to the ministry, she was always on probation. Like she couldn't get to work on time. And she said, well... And this is this is what I got my kids. You know, always some excuse. My kids keep me. I just gotta get in. Get in. So they put her on probation. He's gonna fire her. And so she she said, well, and she came up to the altar for prayer. And I said, well, Miss Wanda, what would you have to do to get there on time? She said, well, I guess just get more organized. I said, why don't you do that? Repentance. Stop blaming your children. For the fact that you're too lazy to get up early enough to do everything you need to do and get out. Now, nobody believes them little lame excuses. And I said, I said, Lord, I hope she don't tell her boss nothing like that. Or she would definitely be out to them. Huh? But she, but, uh, but uh, the Lord had me share this, this uh, testimony with her. And I, I remember so well. My husband, uh, my late husband, everybody who knew him knew he was a go-getter. Uh, as far as his occupation was concerned and he was always looking to be promoted he was always but he told me one time and I asked him I said well how far do you think you want to go in this he said well he said my boss tells me I can go as far as he is and he was the vice president of the company and I said well well how do you know that he said well he said actually he said I figured this out he said I came to work early one time, not planning to, but he just showed up early. He said, and instead of sitting in my car and waiting for for my time to go in, he said, I just went in for some reason. He said, and I saw all of my bosses, all of the managers, all the people who were there early. He said, and I said, I'm going to keep doing this. And pretty soon he was one of those people. Now, Repentance means that you look at the open door invitation to prosper, go higher something, and you make up your mind that the way you're thinking about this is wrong. And it was wrong. Because if it's in your heart to prosper and you're living at a level that's not prosperous, you're going to have to make a change. 
And so he got this new idea introduced into his brain. If all the managing people with big salaries are here at this time, maybe if I start showing up. Huh? That's how faith works. We do it all the time or should do it all the time. And from that day forward, see, he quit. He started fighting this idea. And this is what people do in certain businesses. If you're in the coffee room with everybody and they're talking about the boss and ragging them out, you've already put a ceiling on your promotion. Because you will never embrace what you hate. You hate the boss, you'll never get his job. You'll never embrace what you dislike. And so you'll have people that get offered promotions because they just happen to have something in them. They want to be punctual. They, they, you know, they look all the part, but then in their brain something's told them, oh, you don't want that. See, this, that's where the enemy is. The boss is the enemy, and you don't want that. You understand what I'm saying? The day you repent and say, the boss is my friend, and I love him. You know what my husband used to say? He said, I'm just there to make the boss look good. Huh? That was his job, to make his boss look good. He said, if my boss can go in there to those meetings and show him a report that makes him look good, then I've done my job. You understand? you got to understand things to move up. Whether you like the sound of it or not, that's really how things are done in the world. And so when we understand that God wants us to move into different we always want the glory oh send down your glory you better step into that thing you ain't gonna get nothing sent down to you fedex or ups or airmail we have to step into these things we're invited to step into them as realms of 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 anointing in god and realms of power in god in realms of understanding in god Sometimes your best uh, abilities in God may come in the realm of prayer. Many people who, who pray have a very strong one-on-one ministry life. You know why? Because they hear from God. They hear the thoughts of God. They have the counsel of God. They, it's an extension of that. You understand me? You're praying things and God's showing you things and pretty soon somebody's standing in front of you with that problem and you can help them eliminate that problem through what you found out and so really if you're you're invited to to do more for god and do more with him in intercession that's an invitation to turn your back on the way you used to think about prayer you know people say things well prayer is hard and you know uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. his yoke is easy and his burden is light is what my bible tells me there's nothing too hard for god to help me to master all it is takes is a little bit of time. You know, unplug something. You understand what I'm saying? Just unplug yourself from something you plugged into ordinarily. That's repentance. See, I, I'm done with wasting my time, God. I'm done with this stupid television talking at me with the same stuff playing over and over and over again. I was so bummed when, you know, my late husband wanted cable so bad. We got cable. And I looked. I said, this is the same show I saw three hours ago. Here it is back again. And we're paying more money for this? Really? 
Now people divorced from cable. They didn't got uh, what them things. Everybody got a tablet, Hulu, Roku, Boo Boo, Pookie, and Man Man. Got all them brothers. Huh? We get sick of stuff. See, what, if you're a Christian, what you really need is to find out what God wants you to do with your time. Uh, I know that didn't go over big, but unplug yourself from some stuff. You know, you'll learn some stuff you get with God. Start unplugging yourself and, and put on a worship song if you don't know how to. If you're scared to talk to God by yourself. Uh, we always got to have something in between us and God, you know. Uh, <laughs> something to help us. Help you, help you get into the... The spirit. When you got three of them living on the inside of you, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, you need help getting in the spirit? I don't think so. Just start talking to yourself. God might answer you a time or two. And then we get a little revelation, we want to run, tell all the saints. I want to give a testimony. I want to give a testimony. God talked to me first time in 15 years. What'd he say? Uh, <laughs> then you don't even know if it was scriptural or not. Then stop by the Bible to find out God really talked to you. So. Save it. All right. So we understand repentance now. It really means to reconsider morally in a moral sense. This is something that works deep in us. And with full compunction, that means you you fully will obey what it is, the new idea that's come to you. You know, and you're glad for it. Usually if you're a Christian, you've been looking for God to do something in your life. You're glad to find the answer is turning away from something and turning towards something. And that's really what repentance is. There's always something that you turn toward. In Hebrews, it talks about one of the doctrines of the church being repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Sometimes your good works can be dead works to you anymore. Got me? And so we have to understand when something God's given us has run its course and it's time for us to step into something new. And see, this will hurt your feelings because sometimes we just get so good at something and just when we got it where we think we got it mastered, yeah, it was right when you get ready to get bored with it and ready to give it up if God don't take it away from you and give you something else to do. Huh? Or sometimes we need to just get deeper in the thing that we do well. And see, this is where people will resist. They think, well, I know everything about that because I look at this church and that church. They ain't even doing half of what we do. You don't know what people are doing. You just take care of your own little. And see, that's part of our problem. We're always dipping over in somebody else's business. Like we God. You know, them, God hired them people. You ain't, who are you to criticize another man's servant? You just do what God told you to do. Repentance always leads to forgiveness of sins. Always. Sometimes we'll think about things that we're the habits we have that have dragged on forever, it's time for us to let them go. 
time for us to let them go. You know, I was sharing about Miss Juana. She's one of the last people. This, you know, she had that trouble with her attendance 20 years ago. And she straightened that thing up. She got with God and got a plan from God. He helped her to be able to do it and do it right. And right now, they are, are laying, that was over 20 years ago. They're laying people off, and she's one of the last people still there in her department. You got it? And she's, she's had many promotions since then. Amen. She ain't making chump change, y'all. So it is for us, but I'm telling you, repentance will have to come into play somewhere. Because if you're still making excuses for why you're messing up, you'll never move to, you've got to be willing to admit this is wrong. I got to quit this and let's just move on to something else. Amen. And we do that with so many things, so many things that are bad habits for us. So repentance is also associated with rest. You go to Isaiah chapter 5. I think it's verse 30. Let me see. Isaiah. Good Lord. Five. the first one I wrote down I wrote down wrong Lord have mercy okay Isaiah talks about repentance and salvation coming to Israel and then a rest in God comes when you repent you cease from your own labors you cease from fighting God, and you will find a peace will come upon you, and a rest will come upon you, where you're able to hear from God clearly and move on to the next level. There's no moving. Where is it, honey? Like I said, did I say, what did I say? 30, yeah, all right, let me write it down better. 30, 15, thank you, Shannon. Isaiah 30. You know, I get these bouts of inspiration. I just be all over the place. Don't you get sick of people making excuses for something? I just was all over the place. Well, stick with one thing, please. 3015. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved, and quietness and confidence shall be your strength. But you wouldn't do it. Amen? And this is what God runs into with most of us. He wants to give us rest. He wants to give us peace. Repentance is to get you in a place where he wants you to be where you are comfortable and peaceful, not making excuses and trying to defend yourself and say, I didn't do it. <laughs> or what did I do? <laughs> Repentance and rest come through salvation. So a repentant person has rested from his own works and rested from, from self, from self, from the world of self, trying to do it yourself trying to think of everything, trying to find answers all the time. I had to learn how to wait for God to do things because I grew up in a, in a household where we had lack, 
many times. And it made me impatient for things. You know, like you look at your parents, they don't seem to be concerned about stuff. You know, they worry on the inside. I can't say they weren't concerned. But they couldn't do anything much about most of the trouble that we had in our household. And so I found that I got very impatient for things to happen in my life. And that little inner thing that starts making your mind go 50 miles an hour and trying to think of things and kind of come up with something. And it was a challenge for me to put that down and wait for God to speak to me and wait for God to show me what was what was what. And God helped me. He gave me an exercise to do consistently in my life. If I would misplace something, you know, where's my keys? Where's my glasses? You know, you try to find it yourself. You tear everything up. you looking for it and don't find it. And the Lord said, if you would ask me to lead you to it. And I said, devil, I rebuke you. I know I can find where it is. It took everything I had to say that and mean it and wait for God to show me. But you know, consistently over and over again, he always shows me where it is. He always, and it's only after I'm peaceful and I've stopped running. Now, see, this may be a small thing to most of you. you know, well, what's wrong with looking for yourself? Everything when you're me and you're wound up and you're anxious and you don't know how to trust God, it really shows a lack of trust in God. Because if he's God, he knows where everything is. If it can be found, he knows where it is. And most things aren't gone anywhere. Do you know God will hold your stuff for you? If somebody steals it from you, he'll take it from them and hold it for you and wait for you to ask him where it is. I've lost earrings. I've lost jewelry. I've lost all kinds of things. And then one day if I get calm and and I'll just, you know, hang my head off the bed bed or hang my hand off the bed or something. And there down underneath there is my little piece of jewelry that God has kept for me when all my frantic couldn't find it. You got me? And see, if we'll, we'll understand that repentance means taking that new idea that God's introducing for your good. It's to advance you in the kingdom. And your first step is coming before the king. He wants to have fellow. When you get God's peace, it's because he's having fellowship with you. And he is showing you. That the way you're going is not the best way. It's no longer productive for you. I've got a better way for you. You know, God looks at us sometimes. The Bible says he pities his children because he wants to help us so much. But we're down here like little squirrels running around trying to find stuff all the time. Trying to do stuff. Trying to make stuff happen. When he's the only one who can make it happen. And so repentance really brings you out of that mindset of self-reliance. Self-reliance will make you feel all alone in your your deepest hour of need. If you think you've only got yourself to depend on. What a sad place to be. So we said repentance and rest come through salvation. 
Repentance always leads to forgiveness of sins. That's in Luke 24. I believe. I won't turn there. but So in that respect, it is an invitation and not a rejection. When you're invited to repent, it is an invitation to something better as far as what God has in store for you. So a repentant person has rested from his own works and is able to trust God. Acts 3.19, when the disciples would go out and, and meet a group of unbelievers, they would tell them to repent and turn to God. So repentance always turns you away from whatever it is that was the focus of your attention, and now you turn and focus on God. And that's the best place in the world for anybody to be. When you're in God's presence, you have a sense of being accepted. You have a sense of well-being. You have anticipation. God's going to tell me something. He's going to share something with me. My hope is going to increase. Things are going to get better for me. It's, it's not the same thing as hearing something secondhand. But here you have his presence before you have firsthand invitation to come into the presence of God. It's scary sometimes because when we go our own way, we're trying to avoid trying to hear what God has to say to us. Because uh, see, see, when you're in a spiritual mindset, when you're repentant, you're in a spiritual mindset. And then you anticipate good. When you're in a carnal mindset, you don't want to be stopped by God because you're not doing his thing anyway. You're trying to do your own thing and and try to hide that from him. Like he don't know it. See what I'm saying? And so we have to be careful that we stay in contact with God and, and want to stay close to God. So we repent and we turn to God. Acts 3.19 All people must do it. Repent from dead works and faith toward God. So when you have faith toward God, that is a greater life, period. It's a greater life. I know sometimes I'll go back through some of my old teachings or old tapes. I don't do it too often. I just don't have time to. But sometimes I'll listen and I'll think to myself, I said, well, I don't really say that like that anymore. You know, your own critique of the Holy Ghost, who helped you preach that last sermon. So now you understand what I'm saying? We can get goofy sometimes and mess our heads totally up. And and God will always remind me, he said, and this will happen to me, and I know it happens to other preachers too. Pastor Shirley will say sometimes, she'll say, yeah, I just thought of something I could have said when I did. And I said, that happens all the time. Because there's always more revelation. It's not that you left anything out. You served what was on the plate to serve today. God wants you to know there's another meal coming out of this. You understand what I'm saying? There's more to feed hungrier people. Amen? So if you're under a minister that's obeying God, stay there. You understand what I'm saying? Because there's more to be served out of that. You know, unless people got crazy doctrine, you know, or... There's no power there, you know. I always follow the people who have signs following. Now, I'm just going, and then you, there are not a whole lot of people like that. They're few and far between. But I can't learn anything from people who, you know, just bluster and, and you know, nobody gets healed. They don't even have an altar call. You don't want to, 
You don't want to waste your time in a place like that. You want to be in a place where God is moving. And I'm going to tell you, he doesn't move a lot of places because man won't let him. People won't let God move. We all need to repent for not letting God move as much as he'd like to. Amen? So Acts 3.19 also says that a time of refreshing will come if you repent. So it's an invitation to a refreshing. Amen? And we all need it. We all need it. You need a spiritual refresh. Acts 3.19, it says, Repent and turn to God. Your sins will be blotted out. And times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Repentance is for Jews and Greeks. It means for the saved and the unsaved. So you think when you're saved, you don't have to repent anymore. How foolish. You'll never go anywhere. And you'll be more and more distant from God because you're resisting his invitation to come closer to him. We have an invitation into a greater life through repentance. Romans 2.4 tells us something interesting. We always think, you know, people repent if things get bad enough. But that's not really true. That's only part of the story sometimes. I know I repented because my life got bad, but I had to be invited into something good in order to respond to that. The Bible says here in Romans 2.4, it says, Do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing... That the goodness of God leads to repentance. You know, if, if your kids are not serving God and they need a job, pray for them to get a job. Huh? Don't pray for them to go broke. They might go stick somebody up. You understand what I'm saying? God knows what he's doing. Amen. You get an unction to pray for them to prosper and do well, go ahead and pray for them and expect God to bless them because it's his goodness that will lead them to repentance. Huh? Sometimes children have stumbled because they don't get a perception of God as being good. You know, you have kids grow up in the church. But they, well, I know I was in the church and we struggled and we did this. You're going to struggle when you get out there too. You understand? The struggle is just part of life. So, you know, we need to give your, your offspring a sober understanding of what life is about. Just because you see people with stuff, that don't mean that because they're not serving God, that's the only way to get stuff. But when you love God, you're beyond stuff. There's a life beyond stuff. I, don't ever, I won't, wouldn't ever uh, condone a parent making an excuse, you know, for, with their child about their lack of stuff. Do you realize what life is about, honey? Huh? Life is about struggling, getting it out of the hands of the devil. You know, your, your little worldly friends down the street, them people down there selling dope. We don't live like that. We live according to the word of God. Huh? We wait for God to bless us. We believe God and we make investment in our future. We're not here to suck it up all in one day. Huh? Kids will sit up there and demand a $100 pair of sneakers out of you and get mad at you if you don't give them to them. Give them a dose of reality. You Tell them how long it takes you to work to make $100. Better yet, give them a little job. Put them on, you know, I'm going to give you a little job and let you work for $2 a, a day. Slave wages. Entry level. You can't do nothing more than that. 
I'll just keep working at it. See how long it takes you to get a hundred dollars. Yeah. Right. Got me? Amen. You know, there's a way to relate to them to make them sober in their thinking. Amen. But understand the goodness of God. You know, tell them you want something, ask God for it. You bring it in here, you know, you it's yours. Don't be in my pocket all the time. Huh? I'm not God. See, people think that's mean. You got to be good to your kids. You're being good to them. You give them something that they will keep forever. Them shoes will wear out. But the word of the Lord abides forever. Amen? So it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. When you witness to people, you tell them how good God's been to you in your life since you gave up your life of sin. I don't do that anymore. You know, there is a better life for you if you want to step into it. 2 Corinthians 7, 9 tells us that godly sorrow leads to repentance. 2 Corinthians 7. Paul's talking about a letter he sent to them that, well, what he would do in his letters, he would answer questions that they had about the word about the new covenant governing the church. All of this that we read as the New Testament wasn't even written then. So these are responses to legitimate questions that the the congregations would have. And he said, verse 8, For I made you sorry with a letter. I do not repent, though I did repent. (laughs) You got me? It says, For I perceive that the same letter has made you sorry, though if it were, were but for a season. Now I rejoice that you were made sorry, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance, for you were made sorry after a godly manner. So there's a place where people can, you can make somebody feel bad about something, but God never touches their heart about it. You got me? It's godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Sometimes people are are sorry because they got caught, and they want to get away with it. But godly sorrow is something God will do something on the inside of us to cause us to lament our current condition and to look for something better. And so when you repent, you lament your current condition and you look for something better. There's always an open door for something better when you repent before God. Always. He doesn't have you feeling bad for no reason. When Abraham followed God, he had to repent of living in his father's house. God said, leave. Abraham didn't say, well, I like it here, all my people here, and if I get in trouble, I can call. He, he, it was a godly sorrow on the inside of him that caused him to say, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm done with this. Because I can no longer stay here and feel comfortable toward you. That's what it is. That if you stay, it will in this condition, in this mindset, in this way of thinking, if you stay here any longer, it's going to be a breach between you and God. And you'd rather be close to God than to say goodbye to all them folk. Just say goodbye to them and keep a stepping. You understand me? Because greater things will await you if you go toward God. It always does. God will never leave you out of one thing. Fred Price used to say this. He said, God will never pay you less than the devil did. You understand me? 
sometimes you might, might look kind of cheap in dollars and cents, but if you add up the total of what God's doing in your life, huh? You know, you, you, you come to church where you get prayed for if you're sick. Well, I don't send you to nowhere but to the altar. If you ain't feeling good, you come up here and we ask God to fix it. Do you understand me? Well, that means you don't have to go to the doctor and keep spending all that money for this and that and the other and prescriptions and deductibles and filling out paperwork. and Until just recently, I hadn't been to the doctor in 30 years. People say, you haven't been to the doctor? and thought, no, I don't come to y'all. Unless God tells me in the look bar, if you just get it off, the back wheels is about to come off your wagon, so you better go turn yourself in. Huh? And I turn myself in partially. Turn yourself all the way in. I don't go all in on none of that stuff. I go in as far as God will. <laughs> you know, I know I need to do better. I need to do better in a lot of areas. Y'all know what I'm saying? I got it. We working on it. That's what I would always say. But, but you know what I'm talking about. You, you know, I started letting my mind play, my age play with my head worst thing you can do you need to keep fighting it keep believing god for the best and i think about it now i say god what was wrong with me i'm sitting up thinking because i'm in my 60s i gotta get this and this is hurting and this is all and you start focusing on that and you slip out of confidence for the word taking care of you and if you're out of confidence where do you go then huh I guess I'm going to slip into somebody's emergency room and see, you know, see if they can do something for me. I played around and died. My blood pressure was up, and I knew it. I went to the dentist, you know, the dental school. I don't pay these dentists a whole lot of money either. I can pray my way into the right room. Ain't nobody got no permanent papers up, and they're all students. You understand what I'm saying? And it could be a crapshoot, and I could be the loser, but I ain't going there. I was like, you get one that's got a little beard and looks serious. Don't get the one with the ponytail or the mohawk. They're all politically correct, you know, so you don't have to, we don't argue about nothing. When the time comes, I'll bust your bubble about your political correctness, but it ain't now. I got to get my teeth fixed. And I prayed mercy on myself through three different times. I went in there to get a tooth pulled three times. They couldn't pull it. And the last time I went in to get it pulled, I had, see, I was sneaking. Y'all don't do this. I was sneaking little water pills from, from <laughs> Pastor Shirley. You know, when you're young, you share Midol. When you're our age, you share water pills. And laxatives sometimes. Oh, I'll cut it out. Y'all wake up. I wouldn't have to do that if you stay awake. <laughs> they say when you're in your 20s, you dress for the guys. In the 30s, you dress for your career. You know, <laughs> in your 60s, you dress for the bathroom. <laughs> and make sure there's lots of them where you're going. Get your bathroom map out. It's all elastic waste from here on. Don't give me no zippers, okay? But, all right, where was I? Where was I? Where was I? <laughs> I lost my place for sure. Oh, yeah, 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 I did that. So, anyway, I'm the, I forgot to, to squirrel my little 
my little, uh, you know, I would usually take the water pill a couple days before I go in there. My blood pressure was normal. So this day they bust me on the blood pressure. So I'm sitting in the chair and I'm this close to getting this tooth pulled for the third time. I don't want to get turned away again. And so I started praying in the Holy Ghost within myself. I said, Lord, please get me through this. And then I heard them talking. All these students, they got to go talk to the teacher. I know what they're doing. They're they're getting permission to kill you if they can. (laughs) I don't care how old you get, God ain't going to let the devil kill you. You understand what I'm saying? But they're in there talking, and I hear the, the instructor saying, well, you know, we have a rule about that. You can't do that. And then all of a sudden, after I was praying in tongues for a few minutes, uh, he said, well, go ahead and do it this time. I said, yes. <laughs> he said, but have that conversation with her about proper taking care of whatever, with us getting my tooth pulled and getting on out of here is what I wanted to do. Shortened up my bill the fewer visits I had to do. It's all about the Benjamins when you get in front of these worldly people. But anyway, <laughs> but see, I promised God. I was. I said, God, if you do this, I'm gonna get in the Word. I'm gonna give me. Ain't done. Not end. So I got busted again on it. You understand what I'm saying? But I know if I had done the Word, I would have got it back under control with the Word of God, where it had always been. You understand? You have to fight to maintain these places in God, folks. You. Your brain will jack you up, huh? Then you realize you didn't gain 50 pounds, 60 pounds from the last time you was a man. You get so you get yourself so jacked up, you'll start believing any bad thing can happen to you. You got me? So, so we stay in the word. But I can tell you that faith toward God does more for you than your bottom line and your paycheck. It will save you difficulty. It will save you trouble. You will have favor. You will have blessing everywhere you go. You can't, the stuff God gives you through your covenant with him, you cannot take all of it to the bank. It'll add up a whole lot more in the mercy column than it does anyplace else. You know, God takes us at our word. If we don't keep our word, then we suffer the penalty. You just, you know, right back where you started from. And I said, well, Lord, I'm going to quit jacking around with this. I'm going to do what I need to do, be a good girl, and all that kind of stuff, which I need to do. Repentance leads toward life. And understand that. There's a greater deposit of life for us through repentance. We say godly sorrow leads to true repentance. Let me look at Jeremiah 31 and see what I had in mind there. Jeremiah said. <laughs> now you know I had to mess with that for a minute, okay? <laughs> this is what repentance looks like in verse Jeremiah thirty-one nineteen. Surely after I was turned, I repented. See, after you understand your error, you understand that God wants you going this way, not that way. And after that, I was instructed, I smote my thigh or smote upon my thigh or slapped my thigh. I was ashamed, even confounded, because I did not bear the reproach of my youth. And so what it does is it brings you to a point of embarrassment, shame, whatever, but then you come into a place 
of gladness because you don't have to bear the reproach that was upon you before you repented and gave over to God in that thing. So then there's sorrow followed by joy. There's a, a sadness of, of being wrong, leaving a place. I'm not going to say it feels good to know you have to repent. Most people want to feel good about everything that they do, whether it's right or wrong. You know, we're human beings. But, but we have to understand that there is a place where repentance will bring us not just to a place of sorrow and you stay there, but there will be a level of sorrow followed by great joy because of the new place that you're coming into. The same thing that happened when you first got saved will be repeated over and over again in your life if you will keep that in your mind, keep that uppermost in your mind. I think people that that fail God, that have like moral failure, you see people uh, sleeping around and, and they're in the pulpit and all this kind of crazy stuff, just crazy, crazy, crazy. They have long since been told by God to make changes in the way that they think, the company they keep, all of these things, but they don't hear him. They don't respond appropriately to the Lord. So we say, well, they've been warned because if if they slipped up and they fell and God exposed them, it's because they didn't heed the warning of God. And see, God could have brought them into a place where they would understand his goodness, his mercy, and his love and and lived higher for God. Many times people, if, if the, you know, you'll see sometimes kids, young people in the church don't like to give, give up their worldly friends. You know, they keep this, like to keep that little taste of the world inside of them. And they think it's cute. Well, it might be cute for a minute, but then when that thing ensnares you and entraps you, it ain't pretty. And then you done told all the saints to go somewhere, you know, and you can't humble yourself and go back there. You understand what I'm saying? Like the prodigal, he said, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't beg. I'm, I'm a preacher's son, you know what I'm saying, or whatever. And, and then you don't want to just go out and, and live any kind of way either. You, you, people want everything and don't want to have to do things God's way. And so repentance helps you to find God's way in something. I think people who are being tempted... Like, you know, sometimes you'll see these men, good men preachers, all of a sudden they in a gay situation somewhere. They have long, the devil's been tormenting them about that thought for a long time. And see, God will tell you, listen, I can help you with that, but you need to change your mind about it. Quit hiding it from everybody. Quit trying to master it yourself. There's a way to get victory over everything that's going to ensnare you. But they don't take the way of victory because they're too ashamed to want to. You understand what I'm saying? You're going to have to give up some of them feelings at some point. You're going to have to face some of those feelings at some point. And understand that you're not unique in that the enemy is trying to ensnare you. But it's very common. Everybody's got something he's trying to ensnare them with. I thank God. God taught me at an early age to trust the altar of God. Trust the altar of God. And be obedient. Somebody give you instruction of something to do, be obedient to that thing. I remember uh, somebody gave their testimony. Somebody at uh, church, for, made, it might have been Vicki Winans' testimony. She wanted, she'd been sick for a long time. 
And she said, I come to church, and the saints told me to run, and I ran around the church and didn't get healed. They tell me to do this, and I did that. But she did one thing one time and got healed. See, she never quit coming and expecting God to heal her. You got me? Maybe if she'd done the first thing in faith, she would have got it the first time. See, people forget things like that. They think the instruction is wrong. But sometimes what's in your heart is wrong. Oftentimes, anything you do under the anointing will... <laughs> I mean, if you're sick and you start running, I would think if you do it in faith, God would heal you. You understand what I'm saying? He don't care what you do as long as you're doing something in faith. But anyway, some people believe it. But that's just the way things are done. Amen? Is repentance for the blood bought? Look in Revelation chapter 2. See, these are people to tell you once, once saved, always saved. You don't have to keep confessing your sin. Just get a blanket forgiveness. If it's keeping you apart from God and you ain't going farther, you can't pay your bills and you don't have peace of mind, you need to do something. If this ain't it, I don't know what is, but this works for everybody. He says, remember, therefore, from whence you are fallen and repent and do the first works. Hmm? This was written to the church, I think, at Ephesus. And he said, you've fallen from the place where you used to be when you first got saved. Do the first works. We'll say that sometimes. Oh, when I was first saved, I told everybody about the Lord. Why don't you do it now? Hmm? You need to repent. You think you've grown on from there. Many times we get too busy doing stuff that's not even kingdom related and we forget we used to have a ready word for everybody we forget remember them tracks chick tracks they were sending everybody to hell and heaven at the same time but man they got the job done huh we forget the first works that we did and those are the things god delights in huh we forget about that and you had a sense that god was pleased with you because you couldn't go to bed at night unless you told somebody about the Lord. Huh? You had to do it every day. We get too wise sometimes. The Lord says, repent and do them first works over again. Do them over again. I, I was recently, uh, you know, God is, is helping me to understand how to stand in faith on things more, you know, when I pray for people and how to understand that once the anointing is applied, you know, it takes care of everything. Because the devil will mess your head up if you let him with wondering if when you prayed for somebody, if that really took care of everything or not. You know what I'm saying? Well, if they didn't, didn't get immediately healed 100% right away, did it do any good? The Bible says that the believers will lay hands on the sick, they will recover. He said the elders of the church will pray the prayer of faith and God will raise them up. Don't say when. Huh? It doesn't say when. And so God was working with me recently and showing me, he said, if I take the trouble of bringing somebody to you, he said, I'm not doing that in vain. Amen. And you need to rest in the fact that your portion of the job is done. You got me? Thank you. You don't know what somebody else's portion might be to get the job done. It, you know, if your name ain't on that miracle, you ain't going to do it. You understand me? 
But if your name is on it, you will do your part, and then God will do his part to raise them up. I recently, I was, I was in the, uh, I went to the supermarket with Coco, of course, in the back seat. Whenever she backed there, I don't know what she done done to somebody. You know, it was, I was, I came out, <laughs> I came out one time, and she was in the seat, and there was a, an elderly gentleman, like my age, walking past, and she jumped at the window, and he did like that, <laughs> started laughing. When he saw me, he started laughing. I said, I'm sorry. He said, she kind of got me for a minute there. You know, she, she'll sit on the floor, and you don't see anything in there, and all of a sudden, tearing the window all up and everything. She'll jump in there. You know, the back seat, the window behind the back seat, she'd get up in there trying to get somebody. You understand what I'm saying? And so I had was trying to get out of there and take care of her. I had purchased something. And they send a text every day for a discount on things. I forgot to show the girl the text. And I said, oh, let me look at my receipt. I saw she had charged me too much for it. So I had to go back in the store. On the way back in, there was a gentleman coming out that's my neighbor. Now, I don't see him that much. We call him the corn man. So corn man's coming out the, the, the supermarket and I always say, hi, neighbor, to him. He says, hi, neighbor, to me. And so I said, hi, neighbor, how you doing? He said, I'm doing good except for these old knees of mine. He said, They're, he said it's like needles stabbing me. And see, I could feel the anointing of God start to come. Whenever somebody complains to you and the compassion of God is in you, it will rise up in you and just take you over into the... And so he was holding his bags, and I'm trying to get back in there in my receipt, and Coco's, she's going to get at him, you know, and all this going on. And I said, I'm going to pray for you. He said, please do. And I just touched him. I said, God, in the name of Jesus, take care of those knees. Pain, go. I said, you're, you're healed. I said, I'll see you later. And he went on. And so I was thinking about it later, and the Lord told me, he said, see, if I didn't want you to pray for him, I would have let you take care of everything you needed to take care of while you were in that supermarket. He said, you never would have run into him if I didn't intend to heal him when you prayed for him. You see? So I'm telling you this just to tell you that when you repent, when you live in a place of constantly listening to God, changing the way you think about something up in here, and going for what he tells. Now, listen, I'm telling you how this works now. You understand what I'm saying? And he'll, he'll start helping me to understand because he knows I want to understand these things better. You see? He said, I don't do anything in vain. He said, the anointing always takes care of that job. He said, you can rest assured when I have you touch somebody, that is my touch and I'm healing that person. So don't you ever be afraid that, you know, and you always think, well, man, if he don't get better, he's going to come and think I'm goofy. You understand what I'm saying? i got to face this guy when I come out of the whatever. Don't ever think those thoughts, folks. You know, just, just, just understand that if God is with you, sometimes he'll go through great trouble to get you in the presence of people so that he can touch them through you. Not so much, so it's not so much you, but he wants to get at people and help them, you see? And we're his only way of doing that. We're all he's got, and we're all he needs, you got me? We are all he needs, amen? Why don't we quit? Father, we thank you for under us, and we realize, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
Well, the Lord is saying that some of you are thinking, well, I never do that. But God says there's more healing in you than you realize. And the Lord is saying this. If you will stop thinking that you're not it and you don't have it, he said, I'll prove to you that you are. So I'll prove to you that you are. He said, repent and turn. Turn toward me and understanding who you are in me, understanding what I put you on this earth for, and understanding that I want to use every single one of you in a greater and a greater way down here on this earth. You're not going to do less for me. You will do more. And I've called you to this place to hear this message that you must turn from your unbelief, turn from your not trusting yourself, To do my will. Turn from your not feeling that you have anything to offer. And understand that I dwell in you. And I am big in you. And I'm great in you. And I will do the things that you desire and things that I desire for you to do. But you must trust me. Get out of yourself. Turn away from the way you think about yourself. And understand that I have called you to do great and mighty things in this earth. Great and mighty things. Great and mighty things. Great and mighty things. Mighty things. Mighty things. Mighty things. Through my power and my anointing, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And just repent. Well, we do that. Everybody stand right in front of your chair. And you're symbolically going to let God know you have changed your mind about who you are in this earth. Amen? You have changed your mind. Some of you are already doing great things for God. Some of you are doing as much as you have ability to do. Some of you are doing as much as you feel you have time to do. (laughs) God is saying, I am time. You don't have time. I give time to you. And I give time to you for the things I want you to do, says the Lord. I can create more time. I can compress many activities in a short span of time. Because I want people healed down there, says the Lord. I want people saved. I want people given hope and encouragement. I want people healed and comforted. I want people to live well, says the Lord. And that's not money, but to live well, says the Spirit of God. To live well. That means live a blessed life, live a content life, live a full life. Live for me every single day, says the Spirit of God. And I want you to know that I'm going to use you to do that, says the Lord. Those of you who feel like you're doing okay with me, you need to repent too because I want to do more. You can never do too much for me, says the Spirit of God. And I'll start to trust you with more, and I'll start to give you more, and I'll put more people in your path. You won't have to go looking for anybody. I'll put you. Your life will intersect with their life right at the moment of their need, says the Spirit of God. For I have ordained you to bear fruit for me that remains. Salvation remains. Healing remains. Deliverance remains. Blessing remains. And those are the things that I've called you to carry in the earth, says the Spirit of the living God. Now, if you accept that is what God wants you to do with your life, he said, just repent. Turn around. Everybody, if you face in front, face back now. 
And that's him. You're facing him now. You're facing the new thing he wants you to do. You're facing your greatness in him. You're facing the, the place where he wants to use you and use you mightily. You're facing almighty God. And he's everything that you need and everything that you will need. Some of you just came here responding to an invitation, says the Lord. And that's all repentance is. It's an invitation to more. And he says, more is coming. He says, I'm going to do this. But for real, though. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, you can turn back around again. Unless you can sit that way. I don't know me. <laughs> well, see, if you can't sit, you're supposed to stand and walk. Amen? And just walk on into the new thing that God has for you. But be aware that God has great things in store for us. Sometimes we think it's just, you can sit out. We think sometimes it's just another church service or you know, well, sometimes they cook pretty good. Let's go over here and see what they got this much. You know, you know we see you. If it's gravy, it might be real good. Everybody like gravy. Everybody like gravy. Huh? But praise God. But but we want to do the will of God. Amen. You're here to get spiritual food first and foremost, and and just come up a little bit. You know, see yourself uh, successfully praying for the sick. Don't look back and try to see if if they're healed or not. Just keep going. Just pray and run. Be, be one of them kind of people. Be a pray and run person, a hit and run person. You know, every now and then I'll get curious and I'll start to, God, did, did, I wonder if they got, wonder if they, wonder if, wonder if, wonder if, you know. Which really, that's God's business because we, if we do these things in faith, we don't wonder. We just hold on to faith and confidence in God. But sometimes you just get curious to know. And you know God is so gracious, sometimes he'll show you. He'll, he'll let you see people. He'll let you see the fruit of your, your prayers and so forth and so on. And it's a wonderful thing. He, he understands you. He really does. He wants to encourage us. Amen. All right. If anybody needs prayer, you can come on up and I'll pray for you. And uh, we'll have our fellowship meal. We'll bless our bread and water and all that. So. Uh, Miss Tanya, if you want to put on some worship music and I'll see if anybody needs prayer, we'll do that thing first. Praise God. Those of you on the internet, if you need prayer, I'll be uh, praying with you as well and praying for you, whatever your need is. And we'll believe God. Amen. Let's believe God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord.
pray for people online. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Lord, we pray for those who are desiring to be healed. God sees your heart. He sees your faith. Stretch forth your hand and receive the glory of God in the name of Jesus. Those of you who are well in your bodies, receive his glory. Receive his presence in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. Heal those who are desiring. Impart your glory. Take away all sickness, all pain, all distress. Robbie, receive in the name of Jesus. We rebuke all infirmity from you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for healing them all in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Be blessed. Amen. Praise God. We're done. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Bless our bread and water. Take sickness from the midst of us. Let everybody know that they are welcome in God's house. And he's provided more than enough for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. Holy is the Lord.